you join me on my perch at the far end of the bar. Hello, Rich. Good evening. How are you, Benny boy? I'm all right. Welcome along. Nice to see thank, you again. Thank you Thanks very much indeed. In. Can I just say that if since you've taken over this pub, mm. I've noticed that the countertops are very wet. Yes. And they can be a bit sticky. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's how I it's like them. It's not necessarily the sort of thing that's going to get people flocking into your pub, is it? What about the roaring fire, though? Well, that was nice in July. <laughs> We're doing our bit for global warming here. Aren't we ever? Mm-hmm. Aren't we ever? We're making it as hot as we can. Talking about science, okay. as you were, mentioning the global warming, I was I was talking to somebody the other day about uh, frogs, ah. uh, which I'll come back to in a moment, because frogs are a very important part of school science projects. Les amphibions. Ah, uh, there we are. You see, you speak, speak the order Eurovision. <laughs> um, <laughs> but frogs never, ever came hopped anywhere near a biology lesson that I went to. And you never dissected a frog? Never dissected a frog, no. Mm. Uh, and I was talking to somebody about this, and they were saying, oh, yes, we did that at school. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. Or did I watch it and in I, a film? Well, now, here we are. Isn't it in... Um, it's an E.T., isn't it? It's an E.T. Yeah. Written by Harrison Ford's then wife. E.T.? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Maria Matheson. I think oh. that was her name. Um, uh, no longer with us. But uh, but she was screenwriter on E.T., uh, along with Spielberg. And there is that sequence where Elliot mm. is in the biology Elliot. class. And... Uh, uh, we're going to do this now, aren't we? <laughs> He's in the biology class, and they they put this goes back to last time we spoke, I think, or, or certainly a, a little while ago. Mm. We were talking about chloroform. They okay. put they put a cotton bud into the jar with the chloroform on it, and this sends the frog to sleep or kills it, yeah. as it's otherwise known. Uh, and then they dissect it, don't they? Mm. Yeah, and to see what's inside. I think that's the aim of dissection. <laughs> Did you do Or was that a game of hospital? Do you remember that I, game? Yeah. I do remember hospital. Uh, hmm. Operation. Oh, yes, it was. It was called... Yeah. Yes. Hospital Touch was something else that we played in the playground. Was it? That yes. was something else you played with the girls, right? Hospital Touch? Uh, across girls and boys. Okay. Yes. yes. All right. Uh, um, Off-ground touch we used to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and British Bulldogs before it yes, got banned. Yes, I always liked British Bulldogs. But let's let's get back to the frogs. Okay, yes. You see, I cannot remember. I've got. A f- I definitely dissected something mm, in uh, biology there. Yeah. Uh, with Mr. Tiltman. Um, t- tremendously angry man, Mr. Tiltman. Was he? Uh, 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 for uh, all the time, for no apparent reason. Or. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's Sit probably outside yeah, in the corridor. That's probably why he was angry, wasn't that's it? Probably, I spent a lot of my time in the corridor. I was—I mean, I, was, I never got a detention at school, but Mr. Tiltman took a dislike to me for some reason. And um, I remember one time in particular, he sent me out into the corridor, and I was stood there with my head bowed in shame, like you are. And the headmaster, who was a science teacher when he wasn't being headmaster, came uh, bounding along the corridor like he did. And he said. Uh, uh, Ben, what, what, what are you doing here? He was quite a posh man. Um, I said, oh, Mr. Tiltman sent me out, sir. He said, well, what a shame and a disgrace. He lets us all down. 
and then he walked off. And the worst thing was he went back to his office and phoned my mum because my no. mum was a recently elected parent governor. Oh. See, that's not nice. No. He could have had a gentle word in your ear. Well, you know. I to mean, serve them all my days, a little encouragement, perhaps. But uh, no, he goes home, gets your mother on the blower. Mm. You know where I've seen Ben? No, where? <laughs> in the corridor. He's just been kicked out of a class. He'll come to nothing. Do you know what? I've got a, I've got, we'll get back to the dissection. We will. I've, I've got a feeling that uh, the reason I was sent out is... I remember it now. I was playing. Have you ever played, or did you ever play? Or you haven't played it for years. If you have played it, the frigid game. Um, no. Okay. However, I feel like I should have. Mm. Parental guidance may be uh, advisable for this next minute or two. So, the frigid game is when uh, you're sat next to um, a girl or, or a boy. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't matter these days, or in any days, in fact. Let's. Let's just pretend none of that bit ever happened and I'm a completely liberal and open-minded person, right? <laughs> people, so, people have just drawn closer to their speaker thinking, where's this going? I'm going to complain. Oh, these two won't be on next week. So you're sat... <laughs> you're, we're about to be cancelled. You're, you're sat next to another person... Yes, of, of either... either sex or yes. any sex or mm-hmm. no sex or at none. all. Whatever yes. they want to be. Yes. And um, you play the frigid game, so it starts with a touch on the knee... Then you touch their knee, then they touch you a bit higher, mm. and then you touch them mm. a bit higher. Mm-hmm. And basically, the person who touches the highest, and then the other person refuses to touch higher, mm. that person loses. So right. the one, I think there's only one loser in this story, mate. It, it, it happened to be a girl that I was playing with at this particular time. It could have been a boy, but it happened to have been a girl at this particular moment. And I touched her knee. She touched my knee. I touched her slightly higher up her thigh, and she grabbed me round the nether regions. Oh, <laughs> and, good. and she she'd won. She'd won. Away. I I shrieked, and of Mr. Tiltman, Mr. Tiltman sent me through you the out. Corridor. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, back to the dissection of the frog, which may or may not have happened. Look, we had we had a, a chemistry teacher who was uh, very enthusiastic when it came to losing his temper. Mm. Um, I think he was always very, very close to the edge. Always. Mm. Um, he he was a very tall chap who wore what my granny used to call a bum freezer. A bum freezer was a jacket that was a little bit too short and a didn't cover freezer. your ass. What a great name! Yes. Yeah, I've got, I have got a bum freezer jacket. Have you? Yeah, well, I'm considering taking it to the charity shop because every time I wear it out and the weather's cold, freezing. my bum's frozen. There you go. Well, uh, this chemistry teacher wore a bum freezer. Uh, it was the tweed bum freezer oh with the leather God. patches on the elbows. Wow. Yeah, they were all cliches in those days. I went to a, a school called St. Cliches. <laughs> uh, and and all the, it was the uniform. Uh, we had to wear a uniform and the staff wore, or certainly the male staff pretty much, wore a uniform tweed jacket leather patches um too short the jacket's mm. much too short he walked he was very tall probably six three six four he walked facing into the as though there was a tremendous wind coming okay. towards him and so he he would walk at an angle hunched and stooped and and walking it yes walking into the wind uh and he would he would arrive in the classroom 
and he would start by and, and this the moment that he arrived it complete silence in the classroom mm. uh, because you knew that it would not take much of a spark to send him off right uh, and he would start very slowly um, very quietly getting into the lesson the trouble is every time he'd turn round someone would do something of course because he was so easy to rile mm. You know, something would happen. And he would immediately turn around, whoever he saw. It didn't matter if anybody uh, had been doing anything. The first person his eyes met was, in his mind, the perpetrator of whatever foul act Lewis. had happened. Yeah. Whoever. And he would, I mean, blow his stack is not a sufficient metaphor. It, he would explode combust oh yeah but then he would reach forward grab boy or girl mm-hmm. lift them out of the chair and scream into their face wow then something would happen it was it was like a uh, you know like a metronome in his brain which would go click and it would tick over and he'd suddenly go, oh, I'm very, very sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to do it. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Just every... No, 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 no. Let, let's just start again, shall we? Don't say anything. Wow. This would happen at least once every lesson. Really? That often? Mad as a box of frogs. And every and I'm funnily enough, I mean, in later, obviously, long time after I'd left school, I became friendly with it with a, a number of my ex-teachers, mm. and we'd we'd have conversations about Seth Fowler. I'm not naming him, um, but his name was Frank. <laughs> um, uh, but we would have they, and all of them would say, "Yes, he was barking mad," <laughs> but exactly the same. I mean, he would he would <laughs> apparently he would turn on people in the staff room as well. And in those day, in those days, a, a lot of the male teachers had a pipe. Yeah, and you open the door of the staff room, and and you know how the vaping vapor comes out of the car windows. The mm-hmm. pipe smoke would come out, Ooh. and if you were ever sent to the staff room with a note or anything like that, you knock on the door. Oh, I've got a note for um, Mister Mister. Uh, <laughs> the door would open, <laughs> and all this pipe smoke would come out. He didn't like pipe smoke. But okay. he did smoke. Yeah. But he didn't like pipe smoke. And apparently he would turn on people in the staff room and do exactly the same thing to them as he did to his pupils in his class. So was it in Frank's class that you, you may or may not have done dissection of something? No, it like wasn't. That? No, it wasn't. It was you t- telling your story about uh, about your, your, your teacher that uh, mm. reminded me of Frank. Uh, no, we did uh, a dissection in biology with the deputy headmistress, whose name uh, escapes me for now. Um, but we thought, Sheila. oh, this I is it was, it was Mrs. Sheila. Mrs. Yeah. Sheila. Yeah. Um, I remember she had very nice writing. Mm. Uh, wrote uh, in, in the days when uh, they would write on the blackboard in a beautiful copper plate hand. Mm. Oh, it was lovely. It was lovely. Oh, old fashioned R's and things. Yeah. Anyway, um, I remember that. Um, uh, anyway, she she announced that uh, the following lesson, when we came out, we would be dissecting something. Mm. And we all got tremendously excited about this. And we thought, well, some people got excited, other people got squeamish. Um, so we all trooped in on the allotted day, and we sat down, and she brought out a bag mm. 
of onions. Mm. We were going to dissect an onion. I mean, you were all in tears, I bet. <laughs> the enthusiasm that ran round that classroom, I can't tell you. Mm. Oh, the, the, the dissection lesson is here, and we're... Di an onion? Go. How do you dissect an onion? Thank you, Miss Sheila. Onions. What a lovely surprise you brought So we're us. all on tables in fours or sixes, whatever it was, and we're each given a large Spanish onion. A Spanish onion? Well, they are in, in the world of onions, a Spanish onion is one to be celebrated. Indeed. Uh, and then the, she turns the blackboard around, and there is a beautiful chalk drawing of an onion mm -hmm. um, with marks where we were supposed to make our dissection. Oh. Peeled? Now, Peeled it first? Uh, no, we had to peel it ourselves. Right. Now, in the course of what the idea was that we would find, you know that membrane that sits between yeah. the layers of the onion? The idea was that, that you would dissect the onion, find this membrane, yeah. make a cut, and pull this membrane off, and then we would be looking at this membrane through a microscope, Really? And we would then uh, see the cell structure of an onion. In the membrane. In the membrane. But you couldn't do it with, like, one of the layers of the onion because it, that was much too thick and you couldn't see it there. But apparently you could see the cell structure of the onion through the membrane. And Let me hazard a guess. Not a single one of you managed to find the membrane. Correct. But <laughs> yeah. a lot of the boys ate the onion. <laughs> <laughs> See, so when Pete, when my mate was telling me how he dissected a frog, mm. and I start telling him about my onion membranes, so he's not impressed at all. Well, he, I'm, I'm amazed he stayed awake through it, to be honest. Well, indeed, I, I, I'm not sure I did. <laughs> now, um, nice to see you in the pub again, the uh, the uh, rat and thistle. Um, the six X is off tonight, I'm afraid. Oh, dear. But I, I did want to offer you a, a drink. It's um, whiskey yeah. uh, in ginger... Beer. Ginger beer with whiskey. You get the fiery heat of the ginger beer and the warming scorch of the whiskey. And on a cold night, there's nothing finer. But I must give you a word of warning. Do not do what I did. Which was? I had a rare night away from the family. Yeah. Oh. I went to stay in a hotel. I was going to join, just to prove once again, I am an open-minded liberal person. I was going to join the march against Trump in London. Right. And um, I thought, I'll go up the night before and I'll book myself a luxury hotel in Slough. Oh, so <laughs> within striking distance of Trafalgar Square. <laughs> so that's what I did. And then uh, I got there rather late and... I went and had a quick bite to eat, and then I thought, right, I'll just go and have a nightcap in the bar. And I really fancied a whiskey and ginger beer. I was actually, it was a drink that was fairly new to me at the time. So I went to the bar, I said, right, I'll have one of those ginger beers, please. And um, just, uh, I'm, I'm having a night off, I'll have a double whiskey to go with it, thank right. you. So they gave me the ginger beer. I merrily poured that in uh, in the glass with some ice and then added the double whiskey. And then I took a mouthful and then I took a couple more mouthfuls and I was thinking to myself, oh my, I'm absolutely bladdered. What's gone on here? Oh, on, I mean, you know. So quickly? 
a double whiskey, and what turned out to be an alcoholic ginger beer. <laughs> ah, so uh, alcohol. Unless you're on a mission to get quite drunk quite quickly, uh, I recommend if you have a whiskey, keep it to a single and just put it in, you know, a normal ginger beer without added alcohol. That would be my, my advice grandfather. This is reminding me, and I've forgotten all about this. My grandfather used to drink something called a whiskey mac, mm -hmm. which is a whiskey with ginger wine. Ginger wine. Stone's ginger wine. Mm. He had a bottle of that. And I can't remember. Was, was that alcoholic? I can't remember. Um, but, but, but it was a very nice drink. Stone's here, come here, wine. come here, boy. Sit on me lap. Have a little nip of this. Eh, horrible. <laughs> yeah. What is that? It's a whiskey mac. That's where you got the hairs on your chest from. Well, I was 27 <laughs> at the time. Uh, but he used to like that. A whiskey mac, which was a, a, a whiskey with Stone's ginger wine. Just a, a little... Now, I don't know whether that's double just, alcohol, but obviously... I just looked it up in the uh, barman's wholesale book. Yes. And uh, at www.wikipedia.co.uk, and it is um, alcoholic. It's a fermented blend of ginger, raisins, sugar, and yeast that is often fortified by being blended with brandy. Oh, so brandy and whiskey. Good lord. Wow, that's a cocktail. Good lord. <laughs> I, I might order some. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, go on, get some ne in. I'll have one of those next week. We're going to have a, a whiskey mac and stale crisps. <laughs> do you um, do you ever associate? Do you ever have an association between music and color? So, when you hear a piece of music, mm. do you ever see a color? No, there's a there's a name for that, isn't there? Synesthesia. Synesthesia. No, but I kind of. I kind of wish I did, because it sounds... I mean, I imagine it can get a bit wearing after a while, but I imagine if you are listening to, for example, a complex symphony by a famous composer, then um, to see the Your explosion... Your classics is wonderful. <laughs> to see the explosion of colours yeah, as yeah. the symphony reaches its overture... It, no, no, you don't reach your overture. You, you start right. with your overture. With, it reaches its crescendo. There you go, good word. <laughs> uh, must be something quite yeah. spectacular. Yeah. I, I went out with a girl, donkey's years ago, uh, who who had this. Uh, mm. Let's call it an ability. Okay. Um, and uh, and she was very into her classical music. And she would associate notes individual notes with different colours. Lovely. So if you played a, um, a, a C major scale, mm. each and every one of those notes would have a colour. Yeah. Brought to mind. She'd see it. She'd see it. She would see it. And, and she would listen exactly as you said. She would listen to an orchestra. She would listen to a symphony. And there would be an explosion of colour going on. And, and I said, is this happening in your mind? She said, no, it's kind of... It's kind of there, like a, like a, like a psychic would describe your aura. Mm. So she would see this explosion of colour around the orchestra, around the music itself. Wow! But it goes in through her ears. It got filtered into colours, and there it was, 
like so many rainbows. Like a kaleidoscope. Indeed, yes. Kaleidoscopic. Synesthesia. Did you you ever sing to her? Uh, Not that I know. Not that I remember, no. I'm sure that that would not have brought a symphony of colours. Greys and beiges. (laughs) (laughs) But people, people, it's not just music. And I'd never heard this, but apparently uh, people associate it with numbers. Really? So there are, yeah, uh, and, you know, five. Oh, that's green. Oh. Seven. Yellow. Pale yellow. What? Mm. Yeah. Uh, and also of uh, lager and a packet of crisps. 12.95. What colour is that? There you are, you see. Another kaleidoscope of colour flashing in yeah. front of me. Mm. Bargain as well, by the way. Two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. Well, Maybe 13 mind. quid. Let's oh. Get, oh, no. no, hold on. I forgot. I run the bar. It's an entirely reasonable price. Thank yes. you. Carry yeah. on. Move on. Uh, and apparently, not just the maths and the music, but also days of the week. Oh. What colour is a Monday? Uh, Monday it's is blue. Well, it's blue. I well, don't care if Monday's blue. Tuesday, Wednesday. It's like, isn't that how the cure song goes? Blue Monday. Friday, uh, I'm in love. Uh, what colour is love? Pink. Oh, pink. pink. Oh, it's pink. Well, it depends <laughs> because th- th- there is no one colour which would be associated. Uh, because, I mean, you, you, you make a joke. You say, you know, Ruby Tuesday or Orange Wednesday mm. uh, or Black Friday or Black Monday or mm. one of those, you know. Black but, every bloody day of the week yeah, at well, the moment, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, everybody is different. So, therefore... You know, the colour of the sky in your world is a completely different colour to mine. Yep. Uh, because your Monday might be red, mine might be blue. Okay. Which gets cr- tremendously confusing. Yeah. I think so, we're better off just sticking to the days and just calling them what they are. Monday. What I don't understand about this aspect of synesthesia is, if you say to someone, oh, it's mm. Monday, do they not, you know, instantly see red? Mm. Let's try it. Go, go on then. The right, here we go. I'm going to throw. Yeah. I'm going to throw a day of the week randomly, at you. Randomly. Randomly. Yeah. You don't know which one. Hang on. I'll shuffle. Yeah. Okay. Right. Here we go. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Thursday. Yeah. Black. Oh, the, the, there yeah. you are. There you are. Try, try another one. Try another All one. Right. Um, Sunday. Black. Oh, oh, oh it's not going well, is it? No, no, oh. Monday. Two. Black. Oh my oh. god. I need some help. You do, don't you? <laughs> Saturday afternoon. Dark grey. Oh, those. <laughs> It's getting better. <laughs> Just brightened up a bit. <laughs> but there you are, synesthesia, a fantastic thing. I don't have the uh, don't have the ability to see these things in colours. Mm. Um, and you're you being an artist as well has absolutely nothing to do with it. Well, I see. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't. I, you I see mean, the I, world in pictures, though, right? I, I mm, do you. I, but since since I've really started doing it properly mm. as opposed to just dabbling for so many years last week i do <laughs> now, I, I do now look at things differently i have mm. to say i do I'm sure and it's not just in terms of will that make a painting or not mm-hmm. but i do look at the world i think i look at the world with wider eyes mm. you take more in you reckon yeah i think so yeah good I think so. Um, and uh, Richard's fine works available at amblyart.com. God bless you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, just just to, to finish off on the science thing. Somebody popped in the other week, by the way, 
and uh, asked me if we had any sorry to interrupt any plans to um, do a pub quiz uh, evening in the week uh, and I said no 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 <laughs> we don't want to do that no is that the same fellow who came in and asked about the darts team yeah and yeah, the karaoke he's, he's just a nuisance that fellow I said let me you're in the wrong pub wrong pub absolutely S- sling your hook yeah he didn't have one <laughs> just to finish off on the science thing okay um, did you ever have a chemistry set? Yes. Did you? I did. Mm, yeah, yeah. Had all sorts of weird and wonderful um, experiments in it. The only one I can really remember now was, and when I say remember, this is a very foggy detail, but basically you had um, a, a, what they called a beaker, right? A, um, a Test beaker, gla- glass beaker. Yeah, glass beaker, yeah. And um, you put some sort of... I'm going to say chemicals <laughs> in the bottom. And then you added, uh, I think it was water and vinegar, and then tremendous things bloomed and grew. Ah. So I learned a lot from that. You did. And you remembered all the details as well. It's come in all these years later. Yeah. Now anyway. you know exactly what to do with possibly a beaker, possibly a test tube, possibly some vinegar, and possibly some water. Now don't forget the chemicals. And hey, the chemicals, what, whatever why, why they may you, have been. Why do you ask? Well, I, I did have a chemistry set. and uh, Well, I was thinking about the chemistry after I was thinking about the biology. Um, but I don't remember an awful lot about my chemistry set, apart from the fact that there was a microscope, which I did use um, quite a lot to look at things. Um but but there was a test tube, and I I remember having a a, a dead bee in a test tube. Yeah. Okay. I have no other memory of anything <laughs> else to do with my chemistry set apart from the microscope and a dead bee in a test tube. Did you study the bee with the microscope? Well, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't remember. Was the bee dead because it was in the test tube? So which came first, the bee dying or the bee being in the test tube? Well, I've got a a feeling that um, the test tube came as a test tube and I found the bee. It was already already dead. Yeah, and put a little stopper in the top. You hadn't trapped the bee on the windowsill with the test tube? No, I don't don't think... I wasn't a a big trapper of bees. (laughs) (laughs) No. People used to say that about you, though. Know? I don't know if you know this. That man's a trapper of bees. Yeah, bee trapper. He's, he's got the eye. He's there got the look of a bee trapper about he's, him. Is the old bee trapper? <laughs> You've got to work. Keep your eye on him. Bee trapper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we've done physics, we've done chemistry, we've done biology, we've done yep. synesthesia. It's been quite a scientific show, all in all. Uh, hasn't it? I mean, if only we knew anything about any of those subjects, it would have been we, very interesting. This would have been this. Would, we call this one our science edition. Potentially, this could have been very interesting. Many scientists will. Brian, what's the, the fellow's name? Brian Cox. Yeah, that's the one. Professor Brian Cox. He'll be on, wouldn't he? He'll be he'll be emailing the far end of the bar at gmail dot com, yeah. saying, "Boys, I was listening to your science special." And thinking to myself, I, I, I can help these guys out. Absolutely. And let's face it, they need it. <laughs> Don't they ever. Listen, I've got to go and walk the dog. <sighs> Could you actually, you know, I mean, it's lovely to have your company and everything, 
but that's three weeks now you've been in and you've not bought a bloody drink. No, well, you know, we get talking and that's what happens. Anyway. And then, and then all of a sudden it's, I've got to go and walk the dog. Yeah, but I've got to go and buy one first. But, <laughs> but until next time, reservoir. Cheers. That's time at the far end of the bar. You've been listening to Richard Lewis and Ben Orr. If you enjoyed your time with us, please don't forget to like and subscribe to make sure you catch the next episode. And find us on all the socials. Just search hashtag TFEOTB or email us at thefareendofthebar at gmail.com. Cheers! Cheers!